it is so fun to see all you guys are coming back from school and all that type of thing. And, and uh, it's, um, I'm really excited about the summer. I really am. We'll talk more about this a little bit next week, but we've got some really fun summer plans. We, uh, we've always said since the beginning of our church, we never want to have a week week. We want to make sure that each week that you come, um, when it, you could be outside on a, on a Sunday morning, we want to make sure it's, it's worth your while. And we think today's really going to be that too. We do have some fun stuff planned. Hey, I want to open up with this. We had a, a little emergency in our, our Studensky house on Thursday night. Um, a little, little emergency. Don't panic. I, I had it covered, Laura. So, um, here's the emergency. Uh, we, have, we have a five-year-old. And, I know. She's just finding about it right now. She found out about the dead mouse, uh, was it, yesterday. But this is, this is different. Um, it involves our, our five-year-old. Uh, here's the emergency, a little medical emergency. Our, our five-year-old came to me. And, and she had her little, her little Toy Story 3 Band-Aid was halfway off. Do you guys remember what that was like when you were little and the Band-Aid was halfway off? That was, that was traumatic because you know this thing has got to come off all the way, right? And, and no matter how you do it, whether you use the technique where you get it wet and roll it or if you use the, all right, grit your teeth and yank it, either way, this is going to be uncomfortable. And so, so Andrew came to me and she had her little dangling Toy Story 3 Band-Aid and and so we geared all up for this painful thing. And, and she grabbed her blankie and grabbed her little auto stuffed toy. And, and she was so brave. She's looking at me and I'm getting all ready. And we tried the wet approach and rolling approach. That wasn't working. So I'm like, we're going to have to yank this thing. And she's like, okay. And so we get all ready. We went one, two, three. And Andrew, did it really hurt too bad? No. It, it actually it came off and it wasn't so bad. And so there was much rejoicing because I thought, man... <laughs> Bedtime is going to be backed up a, a, a long, long time. Well, the, the reason I'm sharing that story is we've been in a, in a series that I was kind of feeling half band-aid about. Um, we've been in a series, for those of you just joining us, called Go Fish. And what we've been looking at is what Jesus said, that we're all to do, that it's family business for those in the family of Christ to share this with others. And we've talked about how tough that is in the culture that we live in. And so I, I knew this was one that we had to do. But I also thought this is going to be a series that's going to be really hard for us. And it's going to be one of those things where it's like the Sabbath. You're like, oh, man, okay, I know I'm supposed to do the Sabbath, but I'm just neglecting it. It's like, okay, we know we're supposed to be reaching out our faith. And I, I felt like, and, I, and I'm just being straight with you, I felt like going to the series, we were going to, it was going to get really, really uncomfortable because we were going to be looking at things that we're supposed to do that we're not doing. And I was kind of feeling like, oh, boy, it's going to be one of those, okay, let's get out there and do this. But if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because um, what we discovered as we opened up these texts was really different than what I anticipated going in. It was kind of like that band-aid. It wasn't so bad. When we looked at what it is we're actually to proclaim, when we look at how it is that we're actually to proclaim, when we look at the fact that we don't go out alone, that it's not up to us, there was some <sighs> along the way as we looked at this series. And one of the other things that we began to see as we went through the series so far is that we can all do this. In particular, because it's not up to us. This is something we can all do. Now, in this series, so far what we've been looking at mostly is our example. One of the things we've been stressing over and over and over again is that you lead with your example, especially in this culture. You lead with your lifestyle. You don't just come out with the words first, because in our society, people are saying stuff all the time. People get messages all the time. And unless you have something in your life that, that makes people want to listen, it doesn't matter. 
You know, some mornings we come in uh, here and, and they got the spinning class going and their music's going and ACDC is just cranking the hallways, right? Now, for us to go down, unplug their iPod and say, do you know what some of their songs say? Not going to be real helpful in our society or probably in almost any society, right? But when they see you guys vacuuming the f- carpet after we're done, when other people are paid to do that and you guys just do those types of things, then people are more likely to listen. When people see um, in our midst excellence that is God-honoring rather than self-exalting, people take notice. When people see that, that lives are being changed here and that instead of just being as stressed out as everyone else, we're starting to have peace and joy and our relationships are healthy, people take notice. When, when we really listen, when people have questions and we really listen, people take notice. And when we respond intelligently rather than shallow, angry arguments, people listen. And when they see that we reach out to our culture's lepers and we even love our enemies, when people see that, then they listen. So those are the types of things we've been stressing so far. You lead with your lifestyle. But our world needs more than that. They need more than just a good example. They need to hear the good news. And so that's what we're going to focus on as we close out our series today, as we wrap it up. What do we say? You know, I I think of how the church is so much like society in too many ways. And one of them is society tends to do the pendulum thing, right? They swing from one thing to another. If you've been alive for almost any period of time, you see our society go this way and then this way and then this way, and you are getting sleepy, right? Um, So the church tends to do this, and particularly when it comes to, to... to the verbal witness, there was a period not too long ago where we were way over here, where it was almost only words, that almost all the churches, what they were doing is trying to proclaim the message with their words. And then right now, we're in a shift where it's almost so much that the churches are doing the lifestyle stuff that they're not talking about the the good news. They're not sharing verbally the faith. And what does the Bible say to do? One or the other? No, it says it's the both and. That's where the power is in that tension when we have a lifestyle that matches our words. So today we're going to be digging into the message itself, the the gospel message. And to introduce it, we've got a skit because what uh, what you're going to see in this skit is that that sometimes getting the words right can get kind of muddy. So you guys want to come up and do your thing? Let's have a big hand for our, our first ever, is this it? This is our first ever skit, I think. So take it away. Um, today, we're going to hear from two unique perspectives 
Well, not to say that your perspective is not also unique. <laughs> Today, we're going to hear from two individuals, no more or less special than yourself, who are going to share their opinions, no more or less unique than your own, as they talk about their own individual views regarding eternal life. Uh, we're going to hear first from Bob from Bemidji Baptist Church. Can we give him a nice DU welcome? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus talks about heaven and hell. In fact, uh, do you believe the Bible is true? 
I believe that the Bible is as true as any other holy book. Well, the Bible records Jesus as saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, when beliefs contradict each other, how can both be true? Well, truth is relative. There is no absolute truth. Are you absolutely sure? Yeah. <laughs> what if I believe we have more time? <laughs> what if I understand the great laws of answering our questions? All right. Well, adults, we are going to sort all of this stuff out, and teens, we're going to sort all this stuff out. But if you are a kid and you are signed up for Kids Church, you can follow Laura right out there and the rest of the teachers. If you're a kid and you don't have a name tag and you'd like to go to Kids Church and you're up to fifth grade, you can uh, go, just bring one of your parents with you because they just need to make sure that you get that name tag. All right. As they are heading out, as we reset up here a little bit, um, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to John chapter 3. Why don't you pull out your NIV or ESV, whatever your persuasion is. We'll take a look. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, um, we've got right over there with the table that says resources. We keep a stack of them there. And if you don't have one at home, we would love to send you home with one. You don't have to pay or anything. Just, uh, just pick it up and, uh, and take it home. We would love to, to gift you that way. All right, we're going to be looking at, at John chapter 3. And... What we're going to try to do in a very short period of time is to bring clarity to the complexity. There are a lot of times where we as a church dive deep into the complexity because sometimes we make things more simple than they really are. But this is one of these times where we're going to try to go from complexity to clarity because these characters in this skit, they are composites of real people that have tried to set me straight you know, when it comes to, uh, to salvation. They're composites of, of real folks. And what you find is when you dig into the Bible, it can get really muddy really quick. Because the reason that these characters exist and the reason that we hold these worldviews is because you can go to the Bible and you can support which position? Both of them. Strongly. Not just kind of. You can strongly support both of those positions. So what we want to try to do is to bring some clarity to all of, all of that. And again, I'm excited for today for, for both extremes of folks. I'm excited for those of us who have too much information. You know, I, I remember, uh, it's interesting, you can look back on some of my, my notes when I was a youth pastor. And when I was a youth pastor going to seminary, all of a sudden, when I would share about Jesus and, and ask people to make a response to Jesus Christ, my, that part got really, really long. You know, by the, by the time I was done with seminary, my just asking someone to receive Jesus took like an hour because you want to make sure you covered every base, you know, and every nuance, right? So for those of us who have so much information, we're like, you know, I don't think anymore I can just simply share the gospel, the good news. I'm glad you're here because hopefully this is a way to, to do that. And for those of you who are on the other extreme and your, your, your issue is not too much information, it's I, I really don't know the central message of Christianity, I'm glad you're here too because this is about as clear and concise as, as we, can, we know how to make it. So, so I'm excited that we're here. All right, by now, uh, hopefully we've got John chapter 3 if you have it in your Bible. If not, we'll put the uh, text up on the screen. Now, the summary statement that we're going to be looking at is John 3.16. But what I want to do is I want to get a running start at it um, and, uh, so that you can kind of see how, more than kind of, you can see how it can get really complex 
But then in John 3.16, Jesus gives a summary. So let's look at verses 1 through 15 first. Here we go. John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named who? Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus when? At night and said, what? Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who came from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born again if they're old? Uh, Nicodemus asked. Surely you cannot enter a second time into your mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows whenever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. I made a note that we need to come back to this this text. It is so rich. Let me just show you some of the the bullet points here. This this text, this thing that we just read really, really fast, it it is almost every verse is loaded. Almost every verse is nuanced. Almost every verse has incredible depth. You could mine just one of these verses. We won't go into the examples themselves, but let me just highlight some things. Nicodemus is called a ruler of the Jews. That is significant. Nicodemus comes to Jesus when? At night. That is significant. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi. That is significant. Nicodemus says, we know that you are the teacher from God. Not that I know, but we know. That is significant. Jesus uses the phrases, born again, kingdom of God. Very significant. Nicodemus asks a follow-up question. The very fact that the Bible records him asking a follow-up question is significant. Jesus speaks of being born of water and the Spirit. That is significant. Jesus calls Nicodemus the teacher of the Jews. That is significant. Jesus links the wind and the Spirit. That is significant. Jesus references Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. That is significant. Jesus says so much, the Son of Man be lifted up. All of these things are significant. It is no wonder why the waters get muddy because we try to explain Christianity and and even this summary statement that's about to come that Jesus gives is preceded by things that have divided churches. So yes, the message of, 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 of God given to us is rich, it is nuanced, it is textured, it is wonderfully complex. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. Throughout the Bible, there are various summary statements that we have on a whole lot of things of what it means to follow God and and how do you summarize the whole of the Bible. Well, here is a summary statement when it comes to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's found in John 3.16. Would you please read this together with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How many of you were asked to memorize that at one point in your life? 
Anyone memorize it in King James? Whosoever believeth. Yes, me too. I, it's hard for me not to say a whosoevereth or whatever, you know, believeth in him. Um, the reason that so many of us were asked to memorize this is, is because this is the best summary I know of in the Bible when it comes to how do you summarize the good news? How do you summarize the, the, the gospel message? So what I want to do then with the, the minutes we have left is to take this verse and, and give you a, a simple way to recall it. To, you know, I encourage you to open up your Bible and point to it, but if, if you're ever in a position where now, because of the life you've lived, because of the work of the Spirit in a person, they are asking you, how do I become a Christian? Or what does it mean to become a Christian? That you'll have a way you can just um, quickly uh, jump to. And so here's, here's what I want to do. So in, in your notes, we have, um, in your notes, there's a green, or in your bulletin, there's a green page with your notes. We wrote this verse at the top, and then there's a couple blanks. Let's start filling them in. And the first two are God love, God loved, God gave. If you're going to start explaining this, it may be that you just read the verse and the Spirit has already been at work enough in their life where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Um, but if you want to explain a little bit more, you can start by saying God loved, God gave. Let me explain a little more uh, some of the richness about there so that, uh, that it makes more sense. We'll start with the God loved. This is a profound and life-altering statement. Again, I keep making notes to myself of all the things we need to come back to. One of them is to spend a whole week on that, of how profound it is when you really understand that God loved. And I think part of that is because so many of us often feel the opposite. We feel like, where is God right now? You feel forsaken by God, or you feel kind of fearful of God. You know, that not that God loved, but God is you know, out to get you. You know, some of us feel like that. Or, that. or that God isn't a God of love. God is a God that keeps you from having fun and doing the stuff that the people that don't follow God get to do. There are all these misconceptions we have. Instead of saying God loved, so many of us are God this, that, and the other thing. The message is God loved. And what do, they, what do people do when they love? They give. God loved, God gave. And in this case, he gave us his one and only son. And here, again, um, is, is where understanding the depth of this makes such a difference. Because when God loved and God gave, it's not because he had a deep need that wasn't being fulfilled. And I've mentioned before, we're going to come back at some point to talk about the Trinity. Because this makes so much more um, sense in light of that, or it's so much richer in in light of that. Um, That God didn't give because he needed somebody to love. Or needed someone to love him back. God already existed in perfect community in perfect love, in perfect glory giving, Father, Son, and Spirit. God didn't have a need to be loved. God already existed in perfect love. So when God loved, it wasn't out of a need. It was out of love. It was out of grace that God loved and God gave. And so when he came, it wasn't for selfish motivations. It was to straight up be our rescuer. Here's a great quote um, from C.S. Lewis. He's got a lot of great quotes. Um, Here's one of them. God loves us. This is so true. God loves us not because we're what? (laughs) Lovable, but because he is love. Not because he needs to receive, but because he delights to give. This is why when people really understand the gospel, it changes lives. This is why no love in history has been sung about more, has been written about more, has been studied more, has been sacrificed for more. When people get this love, 
it changes them. It changes them. I cannot overstate this. I cannot. It transforms them. And again, this is why sharing the gospel message isn't so important. Because they can see changed lives, but sharing the message is so important so that they can know that God loved, God gave. All right, so this is a -a one-of-a-kind love. This is a -a one-of-a-kind gift. God loved, God gave. What do we do? Here's the, the last two blanks that we can write down. Well, our part then is to believe and receive. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. Let's talk briefly about these. Um, and the way I want to start by talking about it is notice what it doesn't say. In Jesus' summary, notice what he doesn't say our response is. He doesn't say that religious life or that eternal life is for those who get religion right. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't say those who do the religious stuff right are the people that get eternal life. In fact, um, doing the Christian stuff uh, doesn't make you a Christian any more than wearing a Joe Maurer jersey makes you a member of the Minnesota Twins. They're two different things, doing the stuff and, and really believing in. So, so Jesus didn't say, do all the religious stuff. Jesus also didn't say eternal life is for those who live consistently holy lives. Talk about grace. It doesn't say that, at least not in the summary. That it's not about getting your life right, which is good news if you are anyone Because all of us, one of the most profound things about communion for me is when we come forward and and I know enough about a number of our lives where I'm like, we all have our stuff. Everyone who comes forward has their stuff. If you're thinking, how dare I come forward for communion? How dare any of us? But that's the beauty of the good news. God loved, God gave. He receives us. We don't have to have our lives together first. While we were still sinners, God loved us and demonstrated this love by sending his son to pay the price for our sins. Now, another thing that Jesus doesn't say in his summary is he doesn't say that, that the eternal life is for those who understand everything the Bible teaches. Did you catch that? That's so important. When Jesus gives a summary, he doesn't say eternal life is for those who understand everything the Bible teaches. To become a Christian, you don't have to first solve this paradox that we showed on stage. You don't have to first sort that out. The people of God have not been able to sort that out, you know, in all of our time together. You don't have to solve the creation-evolution debate to come to Christ. You don't have to know all the names of who the first two people were, all of their sons, and how their sons found wives. (laughs) Shoo, good. <laughs> he says, shoo. That would be a stumbling block. Yeah, for me too. You don't need to know the difference between Noah's Ark and the Ark of the Covenant. You don't need to figure out all the symbolism in the book of the Revelation. And if you think you have all the symbolism in the book of Revelation figured out, you're wrong. <laughs> I'll just say it. And you certainly don't have to explain, oh, I had this happen. You certainly don't have to explain to your then three-year-old how Jesus can have two daddies, two fathers. I thought Joseph was his father. Uh, yeah, they didn't train me for that one in seminary. You don't have to have all these things figured out to be a Christian. In fact, as a, there is going to be times you just are completely confused. Read the scriptures when the disciples of Jesus, they were so confused so often as they followed him. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that those receive eternal life who believe in. That's what it says. If we believe in. What's the response to God love? God gave to believe in. Specifically to believe in whom? 
Specifically to believe in whom? Jesus. Specifically to believe in Jesus. Um, in, in the English uh, language, the phrase believe in, in, in our English, can mean just in your head you believe something. That is not what is being said here, to just believe something in your head. In fact, the scriptures, as we often say, they point to the demons. They say that the demons believe in God. It's not the same as believing that. It's not the same. It's not just an intellectual understanding. To believe in is different. To believe in um, is is a stronger phrase in the Greek. It's to put your trust in, or as, as the ESV says, put your, um, your believe into. You, you, you actually believe into, which is really interesting imagery. We're to put our full trust in Christ, and that's key. That is so key. We, we're to put our full trust in Christ. I, have, I know so many people who, what they do is their, their real belief is in their argument for the existence of God. And I've met a lot of people who they have beliefs in their arguments. They don't, this isn't what they would say, but this is what it is. They have a belief in their arguments for the existence of God. So what happens when they go to college and they hear a different perspective that sounds really good? They can lose their faith because their belief wasn't in Jesus. Their belief was in their argument for the existence of God. I know other people, their belief is not in Christ, their belief is in a certain understanding of God, like God wants me to be happy. What happens when tragedy strikes that life? Because their belief is in a belief about God, and that belief is shattered, they lose their faith. Their faith is in something else. It's in a head thing rather than in the person of Jesus Christ. We're to believe in Jesus Christ. We're to place our trust in Jesus Christ. What does that mean in concrete ways? I use often the illustration of an airplane. You can say, I believe that this airplane can take me from point A to point B. Biblical belief is to step on that plane. And biblical belief is a lot like that. I don't think there's many, if any of us in this room, who totally understand how a jet airplane works. We couldn't just assemble one on our own, right? But we trust it. We have enough faith. I don't, I don't know what this gauge is. I don't know how when they get up in the air, they get to where they're going. I don't know that stuff. I don't know how you land in the clouds. I don't know these things. But I have faith. I'm getting on this plane. Believe in. I'm getting on this thing. I'm sitting down. Take me. Even when I don't understand how we're going to get there, take me. I think that's biblical belief. So God loved, God gave, we believe, and then what happens? We receive. God graciously graciously grants us eternal life. And one of the beauties about that is it starts right now. You know, I I was thinking back to my 16-year-old self, and there was something that changed that day when I personally came to personal faith. And it's been a growth thing, and it's been filled with ups and downs, but something actually changed that day. My motivations changed that day. I still didn't get along with my brothers and sisters very well, but, but there were things that changed. I, I had a new hunger for the Bible, and the Bible started to make more sense. I had a new hunger for worship, and, and, I, and I started to crave it. I no longer wanted to listen to certain songs and see certain movies, at least not in the want to, um, I think I'm entitled to this, or I, I'm really enjoying it kind of way. There were things that changed when we receive Christ. There, there's a change. There's a new life. There's a new exchange. A lot of growth, but there's a new thing that happens. And this is good news. All of this. You put it all together, it's good news. That God loved. 
that he wasn't out to get us, that God gave. He didn't ignore or reject, he gave. That we believe in, that that's how we come to faith. We believe in. We don't have to meet on our own strength some impossibly high standard. We don't have to understand the world's greatest mysteries. We just hop on that plane and we receive. We receive abundant eternal life, not because we deserve it, but because God loves us and loves to give good gifts to his kids. And that's what we become when we place our trust in Jesus Christ. God love, God gave, we believe, we receive. So as we wrap up this series, you know, what, what I want you to remember is, again, first, live it out. That, that's where you start. But as God presents opportunity, lay it out. And we can do this. The, what I've just given you today, this little model, is not necessarily the best thing out there. It is not the only thing to say. In fact, the best words to use are the ones that the Holy Spirit gives you. But most of us, we have a hard time knowing what that is, you know? So in those moments, here's one that you can do, that you can remember. In fact, I think most of you already have it. No peeking at your notes, all right? Where do you, where, if, if someone is saying, how do I become a Christian? What is a verse you can turn to? John 3.16. And if you're trying to explain it, you can say, God loved, God, we, we. You've got a template right now. We can do this, you see? And we haven't even practiced it. What I encourage you to do is to think through this because it's very likely, especially if it's a real commitment, it's very likely they're going to ask a follow-up. That's good. That doesn't mean you did it wrong. You know, Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? That if we have to get the formula right and we have to say everything so that there are no questions. Who first gave this summary? It was Jesus. Who said John 3, 16, Jesus? He said it to who? Nicodemus. Did Nicodemus convert on the spot? No. When Jesus gave the summary, he didn't close the deal. And if Jesus, if it's okay for Jesus to share the gospel message and to have someone need more time, is it okay for his followers to share? I love what Pastor Isaiah said last week week. I love everything he said last week, but I love how he said, um, how help people get one step closer. The work of the evangelist, help them get one step closer. And so, so as you share this, there may be some follow-up questions and you can kind of go off and, and to not have answers is okay. Because what happened to Nicodemus? We've done this before. We've followed his life and he appears other times in the Bible. And each time you see a little bit of a change. And you see him growing in boldness. You see him, him, him having a greater depth of understanding. And there at the end of the life, when the disciples themselves fled, here's Nicodemus at great personal risk, um, embalming Jesus' body as if he's a king. Over time, don't underestimate you know, the, the, your witness. So live it out, lay it out. That's how we'll summarize the last four weeks. Well, let's now um, give a chance for us to respond. I'll invite the worship band to come back up, and we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And here at Emmanuel Covenant Church, we, um, we practice what's called open communion. No one will keep, the only person that will keep you from the Lord's table is you. So if you're on one place where you're like, hey, I have never before placed my trust in Jesus Christ, what a great day to do that. Or if you'd like to talk more about that, I'd love to talk with you after the service. Or if you're a person who's like, all right, Lord, I, I do. I want to be more about sharing the news with my life, with my words. Today is a great day to recommit to that end. 
So let's prepare ourselves. And the way we do it here is we, we have a number of prayers as we prepare ourselves that we pray together, starting with um, this one. Let's put it up on the screen. Let's, let's pray this together. God, we confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Please pray with me. Father, we, um, we come to you now, and we come to you as people that have fallen so short of the perfect life. Some of us, well, actually all of us, at times, because of ignorance, we're just not knowing what we should be doing in the moment. We, we, we don't understand things. Other times, because we, have, we knew it was wrong, and we just did it anyway. Father, we all come falling short. We all come um, disobeying you, particularly in this issue. We all have people that we've been a poor witness to. So Lord, we come and we thank you that we can come. We thank you that, that, that we're not left on our own to do an impossible task. But we thank you, Lord, that you invite us. You invite us to come to you and, f- and, and to fill us. You invite us to, to let you fill us with your spirit that we may have the power and the wisdom and the desire even to serve you. So Lord, we pray that in this moment you would do that. Lord, that you would bring to mind uh, ways that, that we are not honoring you and Lord, that you will fill us with the power and the desire and the knowledge so that we can, with your help, through your power, we can live the life that you have for us. Lord, we pause to remember you as we come to your table the words that you said on the night of, of your betrayal, that, that, that the bread, that the, the wine is your body, your blood. Lord, we pray that you would make this juice, make this bread for us, your body, and your blood, that it may strengthen us and nourish us, that we may experience intimacy with you as we physically take these elements into our body and they become one, of, one with us. May we be believing into you, Lord, and we need you to help with that, help our unbelief. Lord, do these things. We pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.